phone side We'd be in the same time zone Looking through your timeline Seeing all the rainbows I, I got an idea And I know that it sounds crazy I just wanna see you Oh, I gotta ask Do you got plans tonight? I'm a couple hundred miles from Japan tonight I was thinking I could fly to your hotel tonight Cause I, I can't get you off my mind Can't get you off my mind Can't get you off my mind With a knife, I know it's more than just a friendship. I can hear you think I'm right, yeah. Do I gotta convince you that you shouldn't fall asleep? It'll only be a couple hours, and I'm about to leave. Do you got plans tonight? I'm a couple hundred miles from Japan, and I was thinking I could fly to your hotel tonight. Cause I, I can't get you off my mind Can't get you off my mind Can't get you off my mind Sean Mendez, Lost in Japan. Loving that new Sean Mendez. Pretty awesome. This is Kelly Hutchinson Shapley, and this is Glitter and Gossip. So, we have a full house as usual. We've got my co-hostess with the most is Miss Langua. How you doing, Christy? Good. How are y'all? Killing it, killing it. Jen Myers. Hello, everyone. I'm a little hoarse today. We're not going to judge, though. And as usual, Miss Kelly M. with her segment, Guilty Until Proven Fabulous. Hey, everybody. So, Miss Christy, what's our vocabulary word for the day? I've been trying harder to get easier ones, but... Yeah, you're rude. You know, I don't know. Maybe I like the challenge. I know. So today it's ambivalence. Okay. If you know the word... Can I say it? No. Oh, okay. You can't win. You have to give everyone else an opportunity. (laughs) Do you know? This is our guest for the night... We're seeing if he knows the word. Yeah, like how to spell it or, or, the, or like what? Like how it? to use it in like a sentence. 
right out of the box you're gonna go there with like a like a yeah she does that every like week that, you know <laughs> yeah, I just had my first cup of coffee and we're gonna we're gonna do that yeah um, she's rude <laughs> yeah I do know how to use it yeah. but but I'll okay. tell you what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna challenge you ladies to okay. see if you know how to use it because well, I really do but I just it's best I'm not that gonna way. do that yeah. this morning because Perfect. I'm gonna see if you guys it might be more fun for you to watch us use it improperly yeah. like idiots yeah, yeah. it, is a, it yeah. is a lot of fun because yeah. I do the vocabulary every week yeah we have four village idiots in here <laughs> and then you sent me that you didn't let me know that before we showed up yeah, this we can't have to be some surprise yeah but then at the end of the show, she tells us what it really means, and then we all feel really dumb. But normally, for some odd reason, I'm always right. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Ambivalence, huh? Kelly M? It's one of those words that, like, I know I know what it means, but I don't know what it means. Like, Kelly... I've heard this word a hundred million times. Okay, I think I got one. Okay, so I woke up on Sunday with a lot of drive to get a lot of things done. But then I felt really ambivalent and sat on the couch all day. I don't want to hear you, Brad. I'm not listening. Yeah. I'm on the right track. Okay. Kelly, evidently. <laughs> That's way off. No, that was Jennifer. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Ambivalence. I can't use it in any other way? Well, I was just re-saying it for you. You need to start writing it on the whiteboard like a teacher. Oh, okay. I'm showing everybody. A yeah, it still looks exactly the same as it sounds. <laughs> Ambivalence. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like not caring or something. Is there like a math question as well? No, no. no. no we're not okay, that smart. Yeah. Yeah. We can't even That's get too hard. We just need to learn some words. Okay. That's all. So, has everyone finished their Christmas shopping? Well, no, I haven't started. <laughs> I'm getting close. I'm I'm close to finishing. I have a couple more presents I need to get, but for the most part, yeah, I'm done. Christy. I thought I was done, but every time I turn around, I remember I have somebody else to buy for. So it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Oh, I did get one present. Almost there. I got our secret Santa. So speaking of secret Santa, y'all know that I have someone in this room and their secret Santa gift has not come in yet. So I went shopping this weekend with a friend, Christy. So you know it's not her. Um, I, think, yeah. I think it's me. I got I think the most me. random gift ever. Oh, yeah, I forgot about it. Most, I love it. I kind of want it. It's so <laughs> stupid and random that you can't not love it. I can't wait to give it to someone in this. I know. Room. We're going we're gonna to have to post it Saturday. It's the most it random gift ever. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think it's me. So do I get both? Like, do I get the one that comes in the mail too? Like, If it is you, you get both. But Yay. I'm not going to say that because no one's told me who their Secret Santa is. And this is what Secret Santa is. Yeah. We didn't just draw names. It's Secret Santa. It's an actual secret. Yeah. That's the first group I've ever hung out with that Secret Santa is an actual secret. <laughs> but whatever. So yeah, I still, have, I still have tons of things to buy. I'm doing terrible. Um, normally I have my shopping done by Black Friday or Cyber Monday. And this year, I don't know what happened. So I'm doing pretty terrible. Anyway, so Christy. Our guest tonight used to be with the Secret Service. Shh. I bet he could keep a Secret Santa secret. Oh, yeah. It's not fun. (laughs) I'm certainly not good at keeping secrets. He got his bachelor's degree in sociology from Bloomsbury University in Pennsylvania and spent 20 years with the United States Secret Service. I'm so excited and so honored to have Mr. Pete Ochico here with us today. How are you doing, Mr. Pete? I'm doing great. It's awesome to be with you ladies. 
I know that you're a badass, yeah. but then I read your bio and I'm like, holy shit, yeah. we got Billy freaking badass. Yeah. Oh, Chico, oh, here today. I am that. so stoked. Yeah, it's like Jason Bourne up in here. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get into this? What made you want to be in the Secret Service? That's so cool. I don't even, you're the only person that I know, I think. That you know of. Yeah. <laughs> the secret. Growing up, I had an interest in law enforcement. Um, I grew up in a small town in northeastern Pennsylvania between Philadelphia and New York City, a town called Kingston. And then one of my best friends from high school went to American University in Washington, D.C. He's a year older than me. And he had an interest in law enforcement as well. So I used to go visit him, and you see these guys running next to the big black limos. And, hmm. and he thought it was really, really cool. And then, of course, in 1980, when we had the assassination attempt, hmm. you saw the guys on President Reagan, you saw the guys ripping out the machine guns from underneath their sport coats and and you know of course that captured my attention but when i graduated i figured well you know i'm gonna put an application in right somebody's got to get hired they wouldn't have any agents so so why not me but you got to remember back then there was no <coughs> internet no computers no cell phones and so i just dropped off uh picked up an application filled it out and then you send it in and you never know if you're going to hear from anybody again and and so after i filled out the application and sent it in a couple months later i got a call for an interview and then another interview and then tests and then more interviews and after about a year i remember my dad saying what'd you get yourself into and i said i said what do you mean he said well the neighbors are are, are calling and telling us that there's federal agents asking all kind of questions about you. <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, of course, he knew that I, that I applied for the job. So uh, I kind of had an idea that something maybe good was about to happen. But again, you know, like you don't hear anything. Nobody. It's not like today, right? Where you have any kind of an update, you just when they ask you to come for an interview, you show up for an interview, and then you leave and you don't know if you're ever going to hear anything again so mm -hmm. so you know I, I i had asked susan to marry me my beautiful wife who's in the studio oh, with us this is. morning so she is we were scheduled to be married in uh october of 1982 and i graduated from college the previous december right so i was a juvenile probations officer for a while and I'm going through this whole secret service thing but you know you don't have any idea if it's gonna happen probably not actually I didn't think it was gonna happen went through the year uh, getting closer to October and uh, I moved to Philadelphia I actually moved in with Susan's mom and dad to try to find a job up there they're, they're great good. people by the way I have had the opportunity yeah, to meet right? them. yes so I'm up there for about a month or so before our our wedding and uh, I don't have a job right so I'm getting the fish eye from my father-in-law <laughs> yeah, like I'm hey dude, like, what's going on and and again remember it's not you can't like go online and 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 apply through indeed or see your status or yeah no like you that. have to get yeah. the newspaper right like and if you guys remember what the newspaper is I know you're all young so yeah. <laughs> kind of I don't know I don't know and you look through what the want ads and and you know, and you try to find something you're interested in, and then you got to like go to that place, and you got to pick up an application and fill it out. So I'm going through this process, and nothing's working out, and I'm like, man, this is brutal. Like I'm getting married in a month, I don't have a job. What am I gonna do? Live here? So finally, on a Wednesday afternoon, I get a call from 
from uh, who was it from, hon? Abraham and Strauss at the King of Prussia Mall. I got hired to work retail uh, at the mall. I was excited. Yes, yeah. I was so like I got fired a job. up. It was like, yeah, finally, okay. So you know, at least this is a start, right? And then two days later, it was a Friday afternoon. I'll never forget. Late Friday afternoon, I was at Susan's house. The phone rings. Pop picks it up. He says it's for you. And there's this real government voice on the other Super end of the line. Like, you know, uh, I'd like to offer you a position with the United States Secret Service. If you're interested, you'll be in Washington uh, Monday at 8 o'clock. Wow. And it was, that's how it started. So I got, I got the Abraham and Strauss job on a Wednesday and got hired by the Secret <laughs> Service on Friday. And it was, yeah, and then, then it started. So were you really sad that you had to leave your retail job? <laughs> it was a tough choice. I really wasn't yeah. sure, you know, and uh, well, thought what kind of retail? about it. And, uh, was it like men's shoes or something? Yeah, they never got into that. Really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I would have sold yeah, I don't anything. Think I would have been happy. I would have been happy with anything at that point. But, but yeah, so, so I mean, it was just, it was really cool. It's really awesome. Cool. So... What what's like the most exciting thing that's happened in your career? Oh boy, that's tough. You know, it was twenty years. Yeah, you know, the whole thing was just amazing. You know, you just it's kind of dropped on you just like that, and then you show up in Washington and you start this training process. Um, the Secret Service has its its own training facility right out right outside of Washington D.C. But we spend the first few months in Glencoe, Georgia, at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. Glencoe is about 60 miles north of Jacksonville on the coast. And that's where I went to immediately after I, I showed up in Washington, filled out a bunch of paperwork, spent about a week there, and then they shipped us down to, to we call it Fletzy, Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. So at this point, had you and Miss Susan become married? No, this was, this, so this, this was happened, this literally happened 30 days before my wedding. Oh my goodness. So, so, you know, I bet she's so lucky she waited she, on you. Yeah, like, she was excited. Well, well, look, I she's like, oh, but right I now. didn't tell them when they called, right? I, I said, well, I'll figure this out as I go. So I show up in D.C. And, of course, you know, this is the Secret Service, right? And I don't even know why I'm here. Like, how do yeah. I even end up here? But i got to tell them I'm getting married in, like, three weeks. Is it okay if I fly home and get married? So at the appropriate time, I let them know. And, of course, they said, that's fine. Uh, you, you can leave and fly home on Friday afternoon. Uh you know, and get married and come back on, on Sunday night for Monday class. Dang. Wow. So that's, that's what we harsh. did. Yeah, yeah. I left on Monday, and this is funny. You've been making I, that up for a while, huh? Look, yeah. Well, well <laughs> yeah. it gets better. So I've never, I was never on an airplane in my life. I was 23 years old, and I've never flown. And, uh, and I'm in Glencoe, and it's Friday, and it's noon, and I'm on my way to the airport. I have not a clue what to do. Little did I know that I would spend most of the next 20 years of my life on an airplane. <laughs> but now, I like, I show up and I don't even know where to go. I've got a little bag. How do I get my ticket? So I get on the plane and, and it's it's a little sketchy because I've never flown before. Right. I'm by myself. But I'm, of course, I'm in the Secret like Service Academy, right? With, so I've so got get, a, yeah, yeah. Well, back then, it was different. Back then, flying mm. was, was much different than it is today. Mm. So anyway, I get on and I, and I flew home and went to the rehearsal party and we got married on Sunday, and then we flew back, or actually married on Saturday, and Sunday we flew back to Glencoe, and Miss Susan got to spend most of our honeymoon by herself on Jekyll Island, which is a beautiful resort. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she was somewhere nice. Yeah, yeah. I'd leave her. I'm I'd sure leave she her, was drinking in tannin. I mean, it's right. I'd leave her in the morning, and I would show back up about 6 o'clock uh, after my training day, and we'd have dinner, and yeah, so that was kind of our honeymoon. and. Yeah. That was a kind of a, 
a little snapshot of what was to come for her yeah. over the course of the next <laughs> 20 years. A lot of time by herself. And, um, but she was awesome about it. Well, that's awesome. And then now you have three damn good looking sons. Yeah. <laughs> All three of them. Um, so having a family, having such a large family and having a job that shipped you all over the place what was that like you know it was it was it's it's selfish and it was it was difficult um because well for the first six years susan and i were married we didn't have kids and susan had her career and of course i had mine and i spent a lot of time away and but that was cool you know we were young and we didn't have any children and then of course sean was born and we moved to miami uh, what what people don't understand about the Secret Service is we've got investigative responsibilities like the FBI and ATF, DEA, but our, our area of concentration is counterfeit money, bank fraud, computer uh, crimes, credit card fraud. And we have field offices all over the country. So, so um, when Sean was born, Susan and I had got transferred to Miami. And then that started the family, and then, of course, we went back to D.C. after a few years in Miami, and then Tyler came, and six years after that, Zach came, and, and then it got a little difficult because, you know, she had three boys six years apart, and I was, you know, spent quite a bit of time away from home, so she's cleaning diapers juggling. and juggling, mm, yes. and and, uh, and then, you know, you got to throw into that. Back in the day, we transferred every three or four years. So on top of all this, you're never kind of putting roots down until you have about 12, 13 years, 14 years on the job. That's probably why your whole family is so likable. They well, probably you know. just learn how to adapt. Yeah, yeah you have to adapt mm-hmm. to it. I thought you meant the family was likable because I was never around. Which is probably the reason. Which is probably the reason. But I'll tell you, you know, it was it, Susan Susan left. Uh, I mean, she had a career in, in, in marketing and advertising and and um and left that to follow me and allowed me to globe trot for 20 years and uh and never one time complained well you know so, what they say behind every good man there's a yeah. you know a fabulous yeah. glamour yeah. she's hold, holding the fort down you know yeah she's responsible for the family being as close as we are now and and you know we be, we, we kind of became a bunch of vagabonds we got so used to 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 moving every three or four years and and then uh, you were kind of still that way, right, mm-hmm. hun? You know. Yeah. Uh, so how long have y'all been in Louisiana total? We've been here since 2010. Yeah, That's yeah. When and I this is y'all. home for us. This is home. This is our adopted hometown. I love it here. Um, well, Sean came here to play baseball. That's right. Well, he came in 2006 as a freshman. His first baseball season was 07, so mm-hmm. he was here for 07, 08, and 09. So we were here all the time. We came for football games. We came for baseball games, and we just really fell in love with Baton Rouge. And then in 09, when Sean was drafted by the Blue Jays and left uh, college, we didn't have a reason to come back. And it was like, man, this stinks. Like, you know, <laughs> no more like trips to New Orleans, no more <laughs> yeah. trips to Baton Rouge. And a year later... When Sean finished his first professional season, he said, uh, next year when my season's over, I'm moving to Baton Rouge, and that's going to be my hometown because he just that's fell awesome. in love So Susan looked at me and said, you better find something to do in Baton Rouge. You're going to be very lonely by yourself here in South Florida. <laughs> that's my girl. So here we are. Taking it back to 2001, 9-11, you know, it's something that still affects people every day, losing loved ones. How did that affect you? Where were you? What was going on in your mind? 
Well, I was actually with former President Clinton in Port Douglas, Australia. You know, the Secret Service has details on, on uh, all the former presidents and a very good friend of mine ran his details. So he would call me frequently when we were going, when, when he was going on a great trip and say, hey, come on, you know, take one of the shifts as a supervisor. We're going here, we're going there. So this particular trip, we were headed to Australia and then we were off to Bali and then to Japan and, and it was going to be an extended trip. So I signed up for it. And uh, so we'd flown over about a week before. We were in Sydney for about four or five days, then in Melbourne, and then we went to Port Douglas. So I was working the 3 to 11 shift, and we were at a dock bar with former President Clinton and some of his friends. And um, Cool. About, <laughs> well, well, we were, we, we were working. They were, they were having... After they were, two, after nine to five or whatever. <laughs> I was like. They were enjoying themselves, and we were working, of course. But about 10.30 at night, the, the midnight shift supervisor, 11 to 7, Shift leader and his team met us out at the dock bar. Quick briefing, nothing going on. We got back in the cars and went to the hotel. I checked in at the command post. Everything was cool, and I went to my room. So about 15 minutes later, I get a call from the command post, and they tell me something's going on back home because we kept the televisions on in, in, in our command post all the time, and we ran back then. I think it was only CNN, right? Mm-hmm. But, but just kind of keep an eye on what's happening around the world and... And they told me something happened back home. A plane flew into the World Trade Center. So I kind of thought maybe it's a little commuter or something like that. You know, there's so much air traffic in, in New York City. So when I walked into the command post, I watched on the television this huge, you know, commercial airliner flying into the World Trade Center. And I thought it was a replay of what the guys yeah. had told me. But in actuality, it was the second plane. So they... Yeah, they told me about the first plane, and so immediately uh, I called out to the shift supervisor and I said, you know, bring bring the president back. Something's going on back home. I don't know what, what it is, but it's not good. And then I reached out for our headquarters intelligence division in Washington, D.C. on our satellite phone, and it was absolute chaos. And I knew at that point that was not good. If those guys are... are, are you know, in, in, in this state, then, then it's not good. And they basically say, we have no information for you. You're on your own. And that was it. Yeah, that was, was it. Crazy. And then we, um, you know, we watched everything on, on uh, the television as it unfolded and try to figure out what, figure out what we were going to do next. So what was the best time ever? You know, there were a lot of best times. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to pick one out. I never... I never kind of got used to that job, right? I always find myself in a situation wondering how the heck did I end up here. Um, one of my assignments was on our Special Operations Division, a counter-assault team, working a midnight shift at the White House with the president sleeping upstairs, and you know we're geared out with our tactical outfits and all of our weapons. And, of course, there's nothing to do. At two o'clock in the morning, when the president's sleeping, we're working. We're downstairs, so you just walk around. And uh, I remember walking around through the different rooms. It was like, like, how did I end up here? Like, how did this even, how did this even happen? And it was a really, really cool job. The, the 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 people were fantastic. It was like a family. 
So I want to hear about White House Christmas. What was that? Ah, like? you, the what time that is Susan that like the um, time that Susan got drunk yeah. at the White House Christmas yes. party. Yes, please. So this please is a perfect yes. time for a funny Christmas story. Yeah. So first or second year, and and we're just kids, right? And we're rookies to all of this stuff. We go to the party, and we're standing at the foot of the grand staircase in the White House, and we and we watch President Reagan and Nancy walk down the stairs and again Susan and I look at each other like what like we're here what wait what how the hell did we get here right? yeah <laughs> it was really cool and the White House is 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 a is a beautiful place but it's especially elegant during the holiday season and uh it was it just you know the music is playing and it was just a a great time they had food and they had they had uh, beverages and they had eggnog, and, and Susan loves eggnog. <laughs> so, well, there's two bowls, okay? There's two bowls. And and obviously, she didn't catch the little sign on the bottom, neither did I, that, you know, differentiated between the regular eggnog and the spike eggnog. So we're just kind of caught up in the moment, having a good time, and she's sucking the eggnog down. And, and, and she thing. said, she says, you know, I'm not feeling real good. I said, what's the matter? She said, no, I'm dizzy. He's like, I'm woozy. And I said, you feeling okay? Finally, we realized that she's drinking out of the, <laughs> That's the, like Christy's the spike story. eggnog punch. And she's such a lightweight uh, anyway that like one glass would, would do that to her. So I don't know how many she had, but it was really funny. It was so really I funny, love it so. when people don't know that they're wasted. <laughs> there was a funny um, story that Christy brought up last week about her grandparents using mm. cannabis cream on each other for, what, what was it for? They're just old. And need <laughs> relief. <laughs> so her grandma's rubbing like weed, essentially, like all over her grandpa. And he had to go to the emergency room because he was no hammered. Way. He had no idea that he was like stoned. Oh he goes to dialysis oh three times a week, and he was yeah. disoriented at dialysis. And anytime anybody's kind of weird at dialysis, they ship him straight to the ER. They ran all kind of tests and come to find out it was the lotion. That's yeah. so funny. So he's going to have grandma do that like daily now. <laughs> Probably, right? yeah. Right? yeah. 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 I'll now. sign up for that when I get older. Yeah, you know, right? you, know you got to find out where they get that cream. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So Christmas in the White House, that is amazing. I can only imagine. Washington is a special place. We really thought that was going to be home for us, quite honestly. So tell me about Camp David. What was that like? Cold. Cold? Probably the most the coldest place I've ever been in my life. Where is yeah. it? It's in the Catoctin Mountains in Maryland. It's a presidential retreat. And back when I first started, President Reagan would go every single weekend. Every single weekend. And and way back then, why is that a secret? It's just a it's just a, a, a retreat. It's a way to get away from the craziness of Washington D.C. and just spend a relaxing weekend up in the mountains. You know, doing nothing, chilling, and. Uh, you know, back then, the new guy was cannon fodder, and I was a new guy, so I went up there almost every weekend with him. And it was cool until winter came, and and it is it is so cold up there. It is just it, it was it was like the coldest I've ever been in my life. I felt like that, but it was a cool um, place. New York. Okay, so tell me about President Bush. You did have the opportunity to work with him in your career. How was what was that like? Great family, just as as 
I'm sure everybody has been watching the television over the last week and everything you hear about him and his family. It's absolutely true. Just fabulous people. Wonderful to be around. Friendly. Um, Southern. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of funny stories. It was back in, in I don't know, it was the 88 campaign. Uh, but anyway, I was on on a part of an advance team and we were out a few days in front of of, um, of Bush putting the security arrangements together for places that he was going to come and speak during a campaign. And and campaigns are just, they're full throttle, right? You're, you know, they're hitting three, four places a day. You've got the agents out in front a couple of days trying to make the security arrangements and they're in and they're out. They don't stay any place very, very long. They like to go to high schools and churches and places like that, speak to, you know, to the community. In this particular event, I'd been in town, somewhere in the Midwest, I don't remember exactly where, but it was at a VFW, and it was going to be the first stop of the morning. So I'd been in, in the city for a few days making the security arrangements, so on, on the particular day that he's going to visit, he comes there very, very early in the morning. And it, remember, it was cold. So we get him into this VFW. It's not a very, very big place, and we have a little room that he's going to step into and you know while they prepare the the crowd for his his entry so once we got him inside i ducked into the kitchen because they had a little tiny broom closet bathroom oh, in the nice. kitchen right and i didn't want to use the bathroom in the main hall so i just ducked in there quick so i hear a knock on the door and somebody's jiggling the handle and i said yep got in a minute so then washing my hands and there's a a little bit more of a pounding on the door and jiggling the handle. And I said, yeah, relax. I'll be out in a minute, coming out. I thought it was one of the kitchen guys. <laughs> so I opened the door, and you know the rest of the story. There's Bush looking at me with a big grin, laughing, and agents behind him are laughing. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, you know, so I had no idea. Right, he opened the door, and you see the president standing there. So um, another quick funny, sto funny story. Uh, when he left office... He, we we brought him to to a Pensacola Naval Air Station for dedication <laughs> of the fighter that that he flew and actually crashed in the war. So they had a replica, and they and they they have a beautiful museum there, and they were dedicating the the aircraft to him on this particular night, and they're having a big dinner. So he comes in about noon, and we take him. He's by himself. We take him to this old antebellum mansion on the base used to be the base commander's house and now they use it for vip guests and he was going to spend the night so he comes in and takes his bag upstairs we have a little command post set up he's a former president now so it's kind of low-key he's got a command post set up in the in the living room and then he comes down and he sits with us and we're watching television and we're just talking just such a really nice human being like dudes being dudes yeah yeah it was just it was just cool and i kind of see up in the corner of the of the the ceiling, water's dripping. And I'm thinking, hmm, must have a, you know, leaky pipe or something. So I just kind of keep an eye on it. So now it's getting more prominent. Oh, so I figure I better check it out. I get up, I walk out of this grand living room, and I see water running down the staircase. Oh, shit. And water coming over the landing on the second level. So I run back in, and I, I told one of the other agents, call the base uh, operations and let them know that we've got a busted pipe at the house. And when I said that, Bush gets up, oh my God, it looked like somebody electro electrocuted him. He left the tub running. No. Oh, no. 
and he ran. He's trying to run upstairs. So we, we, you know, I, I go up with him. You know, make sure he doesn't trip as he's running up the stairs. But he left the water on. He was drawing a bathroom. <laughs> I forgot he left the water on. That's so funny. That's so, something that I would yeah. probably yeah. do. Yeah, the maintenance guys came and cleaned it up, and it was fine. We had a good laugh. But it was really, really. The whole family. I, I had an opportunity to spend two years with his son Jeb in Miami. He was a businessman in in, uh, in South Florida before he started his political career, and uh, just great people. But they're just genuine. You know, we got to see these people behind the scenes, right? And really, really, they just I can't say enough about them. I mean, they're just they're genuine. What you see is what you get, and that goes for all of them, not just forty one, but forty three and. Barbara was wonderful. We used to drive her around. Her big thing was literacy when she was the first lady, so mm -hmm. she would go around and, and read to kids. And I remember that. She would lean up and always ask about my wife and my children and how they're doing. And, and she was just like, you would do whatever this lady told you to do. She was the boss. She was the matriarch. She was, you know, the prototypical grandma. <laughs> and uh, just a great lady. You know, it was wonderful. They had a compound up in Kenny Bunkport, and that was always a fun trip. They'd go up every summer for a month, and it was great because you get up there and they're kind of in one place. It 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 kind of tones everything down a little bit, or as much as you can tone down protecting the president. But we the guys always had a good time because Kenny Bunkport's a really neat neat little little community, and and uh, so my first trip up actually it was my second trip up there. We. We show up, and I had just come back off a long trip. I don't even remember where I was, but uh, Sean was about three years old. And I blew home for a couple of days before I was going up to Kenny Bunkport, and he was getting over the chicken pox. Oh, those were nice. And, and I hadn't seen him for a while, so, you know, we were, you know, sleeping on my chest on the couch, and we were playing and everything. And, and about two or three days later, I got on a plane, and I was off to Kenny Bunkport for like three weeks. So... We get in into town and had you already had chicken pox before I, this? I had no idea. I thought I kind of did, right? Right. So this is where it gets funny. So we, <laughs> we land in Kenny Bunkport. I hook up with my team and we go to the gym for a workout. And it's like the middle of the afternoon, and we're starting to feel kind of crappy. And I'm a little tired, and I thought it was maybe just from the traveling. And I'd been gone for a few weeks prior to. To this trip to Kenny Bunkport, you know, busy schedule. But as the afternoon went on, man, I was really gassed. So we went back to the hotel, took a shower, met these guys for dinner. We were going to have <clears throat> dinner and a couple of beers and start itching at any point. <laughs> no, no, but I had to tap out. I was tired, exhausted. I said, guys, I can't. I went back to the hotel and went to bed. And I woke, I woke up the next morning, and you know the rest of the story. Covered, absolutely covered. Everybody has a great chicken pox story. I I'm alone. Yes, I remember my mom. Like my brother got it. What did she do? Stick me in the bedroom with him. I'm like, why would you do this to me? I got like one bump, and I, so I didn't even get it bad. So I'm scared. I need to go. You get might as well vaccine. just, you know, everybody get it and get it over with. Oh, I had it. I had it bad. So the White House Medical uh, Corps would came over, and you know they quarantined me. I couldn't leave the hotel. I had to stay in the room. So the guys would call me and, and hey, we're going to bring you food. Okay, yeah. You know, so I would hear a knock on the door. <laughs> and then they'd run. There be, <laughs> no, there would, be a, there, there would be a six pack of beer hanging off the doorknob and a pizza down at the, on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the sidewalk. And nobody around. Like, yeah. there's nobody around. Mm -hmm. So, I get, and, I, and I had to stay that way for, gosh, I don't know, several days. And then they let me go home. So that was brutal. That was not fun. 
So you had to travel with chicken pox? I couldn't until, well, I had to, you know, once I was, the doctor said, okay, you're not contagious anymore. Okay. And I put the long sleeve shirt on and the hoodie because, you know, you look, you look like, <laughs> you look like a shit. leper. Yeah, you look like <laughs> a leper, you look right? Really bad. So, so I guess I didn't have them as a child. Mm. Well, I hope that I never get them again. I've never I, had the chicken pox. I had the chicken pox, but now I'm afraid of the shingles. So you are still not, too young. you're not ambivalent about shingles? Oh, oh there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, no. of course you're I kicking was, the nice. ass, Jen. <laughs> nice. So, uh, Mr. Pete, looking back on your life and on the experiences that you had being in the Secret Service, given all that time to our country for 20 years, would you do it all over again? In a heartbeat. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, there, no question. It was a, just a great time. I mean, to think back, Susan and I do this, we look like, do we really do that? Like, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we... we we started in Washington, and then I went to Baltimore, and then I went to Miami during the cocaine cowboy days in the 80s. Love to hear and then, about that. Yeah. <laughs> then we went back to Washington, and, and then uh, then we went to Mobile, Alabama for three years, and then back to Miami, and, and, and it was crazy. It was just like, it seems like the book that I read, you know, honestly. But you should write one. Uh, I don't know. Tell don't your know. story to somebody else that will write it know. for you. I'd rather talk to four beautiful women and, and sit <laughs> down and... Pretty, write a book pretty well said but yeah I would absolutely do it the guys that you know the agency was it's a great agency that it's a brotherhood um, and the world became very small for someone who really never went anywhere mm-hmm. growing up ever never on a plane until I was flying home to marry my beautiful wife at 23 um, the world over 20 year period became very very small mm-hmm. you know and and uh, and <laughs> I remember one time we had something planned, Susan and I. I don't remember what it what it was. And and I tell people the Secret Service wasn't a career, it was a lifestyle. Yeah. Right? It's not a job, it's not a career, it's really a lifestyle. And uh don't remember what we had planned, but I was really excited about it and it was like Thursday and right at the end of the workday the boss called me and he said, Hey, you, you know, you caught a trip. I said, where am I going? And he said, Paris. And I said, well, when am I leaving? And he said, tomorrow. And I was like, oh, my God, that sucks. I can't go to this whatever Susan and I were going to do for the weekend. And I was really bummed out that I couldn't do this weekend thing with Susan. And so I drove home and I told her, I said, listen, I can't. I'm not going to be able to make this weekend. And like a trooper, just like she always did, she said, hey, hun, it's your job. Don't worry about it. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Paris. She's like and a she, ride or die chick yeah. through all yeah. your, through your yeah. whole life. You picked life. a good one. I mean, by then I had had a lot of years on the job and I'd been a lot of places. And I really wanted to do this, whatever it is we planned for the, I don't remember now, but but whatever it was. I was really bummed that I couldn't I do this with her. And I was bummed that I actually had to go to Paris. <laughs> so tell us about <clears throat> the cocaine cowboys. Cocaine cowboys. Well, you know, in... Again, the Secret Service has investigative responsibilities along with protection. And uh, back in the 80s, the, you know, Miami was the wild, wild west. And I had friends who started their career in our Miami field office. And I would talk to them frequently and they were absolutely having a blast. So after a few years on the job, Susan and I had volunteered to go down to Miami. It was 1988. And uh, oh, we yeah. transferred mm-hmm. down to Miami. And 
man, it was just wide open. It was just wide open. I worked in the counterfeit squad. So you had the guns and the drugs and the counterfeit money all coming in airport. <laughs> was it easy to catch them because it was just so much of it? You know, it, it, was, it, it was easy. And, it was easy and it was hard, right? Mm. I mean, it was because it was like, it, there was just so much of it going on. And remember, mm. like, you know, there's no GPS or anything like that. Yeah. So we worked very closely with U.S. Customs and with DEA and with ATF. We actually had a task force. We worked out of a, a, uh, an old warehouse in Fort Lauderdale and we all drove undercover, seized vehicles. It was really, really cool. A lot fun. Of fun. Fort Lauderdale Police, Broward County, Sheriff's, City of Miami, Metro-Dade, we were all part of this big task force because it, it kind of all went together, right? The drugs, the guns, the, 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 the you know, the, the counterfeit money, and, um, you know, you're always working informants, and, and, and it was just great, It was, but it was a tough place, violent, a lot of violence. I did not feel um, like that last time. A lot of age. violence. Well, South Beach, you know, you guys, <laughs> yeah, that was guys our know one. <laughs> how absolutely beautiful South Beach is. Well, back in the 80s, it was a heroin den. It was, it was dilapidated. You didn't go there. It was not the South Beach that you guys know. I mean, we worked many, many cases over there. and uh, But it was just, you know, they're dumping dope out of airplanes and it's washing up on the, on the, on the shores and... It's very hard to keep up with it, but but it, we you know look it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be in that that line of work, I mean, it's kind of the place you want to be. I look back on some of the stuff we did now and wonder what the hell were we thinking. But uh, you know, at, at 59 I did, but at, at 29 I didn't. You know, it's mm. where we wanted to be. So, what do you plan on doing with the rest of your life? You've had a whole oh, life God. already, traveling, experiences, meeting mm. people. Doing yeah. cool things that nobody else can say they've ever done. What are you going to do now? I have a hard time deciding what I'm going to have for lunch, let alone what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm lucky right now. I have a fabulous job. I'm the director of public safety for Baton Rouge General Health System. I've got uh, a great group of officers uh, as part of our team. I enjoy the job tremendously. And uh, I do a lot of consulting on the side, uh, security consulting with just a wide variety of, of, of industries. And so that's what I plan on doing for, for the foreseeable future. Just taking it easy, yeah. kind of just, you know, a little bit of little cruise control for a while. You know, I, I'm, I get bored quick, so I, I'm really not like a cruise control guy. I'll never just retire. Drink some coffee, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'll never retire. Um, it's really not in my DNA, you know. Uh, I look forward to whatever the next chapter is going to be, but I love my job now. I really do. It's it's. Uh, I've got a great group of guys. I enjoy going to work every day, and and I don't plan on leaving. So you know, this my consulting work, going to LSU baseball games and football games, and spending yeah. time with the yeah. fam. Yeah. We just want to thank you so much for being on our show. Yes, oh man, this you. is awesome. You I kidding mean, me? Can we yeah. do this again like next week, or yeah. can I be like a regular guest, or a, yeah, you can come I'll just be, be here with you. I'll hang out and get we'll y'all coffee while you're doing it. Yeah, whatever. That's great. Now this is a lot of fun. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for coming. So thank you so much. Yeah. I love you. I love Miss Susan. Your whole family. Shout out to the Ochinkos. Yeah, I just appreciate you so much for being on our show tonight. Well, a shout out to my wife for letting me do that for twenty years. Yeah, um, yeah big shout out. You know, and uh, appreciate that and. Thank you for the invitation, and Happy New Year, and Merry Christmas. I guess I got that backwards, but no, seriously, it was a lot of fun, and, and hey, you know, good to see you guys. And that was Mr. Pete Ochico. So, 
last but not least, y'all know what's up. It's Miss Kelly M with Guilty Until Proven Fabulous. Kelly M, how's it going, girl? I'm great. How's everybody? We're good. Good. For having Mr. Pete here, I figured I would just talk about some little security things. Let's hear it. So I pulled up on a couple different links. The 10 most secure locations in the world. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. What do you think are, like, the most protected things? Uh, protected? Yeah. Or just, like, a safe city? Safest buildings. Safe buildings? Complexes. I don't know. Probably ask the FBI agent. That's what I'm saying. He probably <laughs> knows a few. So, the first one they have is the Cheyenne. Sh- Cheyenne? Is that it? Am I saying that right? You would probably know. The Mountain Complex, where it's the home to the North American Aerospace Defense Command. Oh. Well, oh, actually, no, I know. It's definitely nuclear facilities. Oh, nuclear that, power, power plants. Top secret oh, it's information? Well, no, 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 no. Those are just really safe. Area and very clean. I'm going to say very that. Yeah, yeah, good answer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's got to be number answer. one. Which Thank one? you, Cable. Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Thanks. Area 51. I want to know me, what's Kelly going Hutchinson on That's me, Kelly Hutchinson Let y'all know Area 51, so I think I'm right. So this place has... It can withstand an electromagnetic pulse, and it has 25-ton blast doors that can protect you from a biological and a nuclear attack. Well, we need to get some of those doors. You can't visit it, but you can take a virtual tour on the, on, on the website. Wah, wah, so. wah. Yeah, that's boring. Can yeah. you go? No. You can't break in. You can't go to I mean, You can't break in. Yeah. No B&Es over there. <laughs> the, another one is the Vatican Secret Archive oh. in Rome. And y'all know I'm all up in the conspiracies. Yeah, Illuminati. They got a lot of conspiracists around that. Yeah. But, yeah, they said that it holds, like, letters from Martin Luther, Michelangelo, mm. Galileo, mm. all I these totally crazy paperwork. That's awesome. Yeah. What else is on there? Fort Knox. Okay. Fort Knox well, is on there. It should be. And it said it also holds, like, the largest amount of gold that the U.S. has. Mm-hmm. Fort Knox does? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Home to the... But you can't, but you can't, you can't get Fort, there. 147.3 million ounces of gold. Holy moly. Worth roughly 200 billion. So the next one's the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Really? Yeah. So, oh, I'm total. I lied to y'all earlier. So, yes. Okay, so the... This is actually where the most amount of gold is kept, and it is kept 80 feet below ground. Yeah. And Manhattan. There you go, Kelly. See? Yeah. I know. I it holds so something things. was buried, right? Maybe something so was buried. Yeah, I think I saw a movie on that where they, like, in a heist. <laughs> it holds 6.3 tons of gold. It's a lot of... 6.3 tons of gold. That is a lot of tons. A 90-ton steel cylinder set and is protected... By that, and then a 140-ton concrete frame. Holy and when it's closed, it's water and airtight, naturally. There's security inside and outside the vault at all given times. Touched by no elements. Yeah, it's crazy. And then 98% of the gold kept there is owned by foreign nations. So not only are we protecting our own, but we're protecting oh, other people's... <laughs> other other worlds. And are we, like, our country is, like... Trillions of dollars in debt, but we can hold on to all your gold. Yeah, but we'll keep it for you. Yeah, but we we kind of like we could just decide that it's ours now, right? Come and get it, which they can't because it's Mm -hmm. well protected. So Mm -hmm. kind of like ours, right? Like how the hell did we? I mean, I say we because I'm I'm personally an American today, but so this is my country. So how the hell 
are we, when I'm in this scenario, responsible for that amount? Some foreign nations yes. old? Like, oh my mm. gosh, that's crazy. Right. Of security. I was going to say, because our security that, systems yeah. are apparently balling. They're doing something for us, too. We're, we're not, oh, we know, yeah. we're getting something out of it. Oh, yeah. Favor for a favor. All right, you ready? Yep. Area 51. What? Yeah, Boom! Y'all heard it. Y'all heard it from my girl, it's, Kelly M. I yeah. just said something right, and it never happens. <laughs> yeah. So you can't get in around, obviously, nothing. And they won't even let... They banned in 1974 aerial photography, too. So you can't... Nobody's allowed so to fly many. over it. Nothing. What do you, what do you, how do you feel about that, Kelly? What, that I can't see Area 51? Yeah. I mean, I don't really feel any kind of way about it. I don't care. I have no desire to ever go. But it does make me read internet articles. Yeah, yeah. What the hell's right? going up on it? Why? Uh, honestly, That's one I feel like you might have some information on. He's not Yeah. Concerned. Have you ever been there? Well, where? Can you say if you've Area, been Area 51? Um, next question. Oh, <laughs> All right. You know what, though? If they don't want us to know... Maybe we don't want to know. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I definitely like, think that there's probably... Maybe I can't handle There's it. lots of answers. You can't handle the truth. Yeah. I think there's lots of questions that have answers. Yeah. Like, the world's yeah. just not ready to know yet, right. for sure. Right. Everybody was just going to chaos. Yeah. Like walking but on the moon and such. I'm, you know, I'm really at peace with everything, so if anybody wants to let me know what's going on with the aliens, I'm totally cool with right. it. I'm down with it. I, mean, I think it, honestly, I think it's scarier that there's not anything like, out there. That's kind of scary. The universe is yeah. huge, and we're freaking alone. Yeah. Scary. I don't believe it for a second. I don't, I don't think we're alone at all. I would well, like to go to, like, the Avatar, you know, movie set, <laughs> but it'd actually be an actual planet where I can hang out. Just, yeah. I'm gonna we can have a photo out. shoot. It's fine. Okay, okay, okay. You know about it. The next one is I can't pronounce this word because it's in Norway. Svalbard. Svalbard. What's Svalbard? <laughs> I'm sorry. What That's is going to be my educate? It's the global seed vault. It's oh. a doom- yeah, it's a doomsday vault. Yeah. That was built to store backup copies of seeds held in other seed banks. Gotcha. Seeds. Wow. As yeah. in. Wow. That is cool. Pocahontas? No. Like, what the hell are y'all talking about? Like, so if... Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, like, yeah, Pocahontas. Yeah, so, so like, corn right. and stuff. Soil and green. Okay, cool. If Got we it. ever wanted to, like, cultivate crops on Mars How'd or something. How'd you go to Pocahontas from seeds? Like, where that, because that was a big jump. John like Smith. That. You know, that's... John Smith in Pocahontas <laughs> took fish and corn and put it in holes together. And that is how America <laughs> no, That is so deep. That's you, just went you just went right there. That is awesome. Did you felt like you were there, right? I you did. You believed it? Yeah, I did. I was like, wow, that you just made that connection. Boom. Like I felt like Pocahontas. Well, my hair is straight today. And That's what ADD does. You know. I know I'm unmedicated. <laughs> straight hair. So yeah, I mean, of course. John Smith, Pocahontas. I never really, I guess it's kind of crazy, but I never, you wouldn't think that something like that would be so well protected. It's just not a thing. But now, I mean, I get it now well, that I've read it. It's our livelihood. Yeah. You can't live without food. It said it had over nine, almost a million samples mm-hmm. of seeds. God, this one probably some of the original ones too, like the non-GMO. It's probably thing. some of the bad stuff too. Ma- marijuana? <laughs> There's so many things, not just marijuana. Yeah. There's so many yeah. bad seeds out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, our next one is Air Force One. Okay. I feel like also guarantee yeah. we yeah. all know that one. You know about that. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely know that, all about that for one. For sure. Oh, that's just, yeah. 
Give me yeah, the shoes. Their shoes as well. So I. Okay, anyway. One. Air Force One can be refueled in midair. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Fly the President's limo and the Secret Service follow up and other vehicles on, on huge military uh, airplanes, uh, cargo planes. And we frequently flew on the cargo planes. So we used to get a chance to sit up with the pilots and actually sat in the cockpit on numerous occasions you have to during, wear the, a, during a refuel. Oh, oh yeah, you, put the, you can hear, yeah, you hear the guys talking. Super and, cool. But then you see the tanker, yeah. like the tanker flies over the top, Ugh. and and they and there's there's a guy uh, that actually flies this big boom down. It's a hose. It's a huge fire hose mm-hmm. from the tanker, and they have to connect it to the cargo plane or so whatever like plane Armageddon. you're refueling. It could be a, it could be a fighter jet that matter. But but yeah, we'd actually sit in there uh, and watch this take place it was the coolest thing Mm. you know when you're on a very very long overseas flight you just you know refuel in midair it's really neat i've seen youtube videos yeah Uh, is that the same basically here i am again so i mean i've seen that too (laughs) it's amazing oh you're so cool jen you've seen (laughs) i've seen that too like it's totally she's got she just won up you on youtube right there yeah no that's cool that's all right you know they said that President George W. Bush, he spent eight hours in the plane on 9-11. Yeah. And that's, like, how he controlled, right. like, they could just ran circle from around. mobile command off of his plane. Yeah. They said that it's more, it can, it's more secure in a crisis. Our next one is the Pionen Data Center in Sweden. So, it's 100 feet below in granite. It's these bunkers that have all these data centers in them. And it said that through it's got forty centimeter thick steel, so even if a nuclear war happens, all this data will be saved. Well, that's pretty awesome. Okay, so under that many, a hundred feet of granite. Yeah. God. Well, how do they make that hole? That's some important data. <laughs> yeah. So even if nuclear war happens, we're yeah. gonna start coming back, and we're going. Fight. We're gonna go. You'll have we, Facebook. Yeah. You'll yeah. have Facebook. If we. Hope we can tell them. I always, Stone Age and come out. I always wondered <coughs> if, like, yeah, they wiped out all the bank servers or something. It's just like numbers in a computer, you know. Like maybe that would be good because then we could just all start over. <laughs> <laughs> even play. Yeah. Just even it all out. Right. And they have two submarine backup generators. Mm. So even if like Whoa. an apocalypse happened, happened like all these generators underwater still powerhouse this. Gnarly. It's literally like foolproof. That is awesome. I want like a safe room or something. Yeah. It's protected legally. WikiLeaks used to house their servers there, it's mm-hmm. So basically what you put on the internet really does stay out there forever. Yeah. Yes, it does. Huh? And our next one is the Iron Mountain in Boyers, Pennsylvania. It's where some of the most important commercial documents and treasures are kept. Two hundred and twenty feet underground in a former limestone mine. Check that out. We went deeper than the Swiss. You like to bury stuff, right? Yeah, we do. I, I mean, I guess because backyard guys, right. There's backyard. You know? Too much stuff going on above ground. That's for sure. You just got to start burying shit under a lot of steel, <laughs> yeah. so that it's the only way we can protect ourselves from yeah. ourselves, pretty much. Yeah. But it said that it holds the original negatives for more than one hundred and twenty thousand Hollywood movies. Oh, wow. Super cool. Well, that's that's that is very cool. valuable. Yeah. Yeah, so it has a 27 million piece Corbis image collection that used to be owned by Bill Gates or is owned by Bill Gates. 
Gates. Yeah. So Bill Gates is storing his stuff down there. It has some like, of the well, most important photograph, like the glass plate negatives for some of the most important photographs ever taken, like of Albert Einstein, cool. Marilyn Monroe. So, and you can mm. look those up online too. They have pictures of them. But it's like the original photographs. Yeah. So, they just edit. And Bill Gates is the owner of those. Why don't they also, just scan fact, those? <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you own everything, Bill Gates? The Korean demilitarized, did I say that right? Militarized mm-hmm. zone. Um, I don't know why you looked at me into my eyes while you're saying a vocabulary word. I'm sorry. You knew better. Because I was already turning <laughs> I'm my like, head this know. way a little bit. So yeah. I was just looking for you for reassurance. <laughs> you're looking in the wrong direction, Kelly M. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a wide strip of land that acts as a buffer between North and South Korea and is the most aggressively protected strip of land in the world. It says more than 800 soldiers have died since they created it in 1953. Yeah. It wasn't even... Not a long time ago. No. And then the final last one is... DMZ, which is a, like, wildlife safe haven. Where is that located? It doesn't tell me. It just, I guess I could probably Google that. We too. just have to accept it as fact, I yeah. guess. Yeah, just yeah. accept it, it as all fact. That's we need to know, right? Exactly. It has, a, obviously, a very large lack of human life inside of the wildlife preserve. It's 160 miles long, and it wasn't originally that, but it became an involuntary nature reserve. So mm. plants and animals live there. Mm. They saved the Siberian tiger and a white-naped crane have thrived. So these were animals that were really close to extinction that gotcha. we were managing to bring back and keep alive. So Man, us humans mess up a lot of stuff. We, <laughs> we just feel like everything's well, ours, you know entitled. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I had fun and got educated, too. That's awesome. I learned stuff today. It's right. really cool. He knows about a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for humoring us. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, so the, the DMZ is part of that Korean strip. Okay. It's part of it. So it acts as an involuntary because there's so little human interaction on that part of this 160-mile-wide range that part of it acts as a wildlife center. Cool. That's super protected. Which I think if, you know, Korea's ever, you know, doing anything right, a lot of times that's a good one. Well, you know, and if you get out of line, got a white tiger, get your name <laughs> on it. That's true. Yeah. Y'all remember that movie? What was it? The... Um, the happening where the plants decided to act back and started killing everybody yeah, with that, their sense. That was there. a horrible movie. The only it wasn't a great movie. Because Marky saying. Mark was in it. I'm, it was not a great movie, but it had a point, and that's the point that I'm bringing back. That there's probably gotcha. some plants up in there that we don't need to be in contact with right. directly. Cool. Might end up with a little sheesh. Okay. Well, thank y'all so much for having me today. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kelly. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for thanks for dropping your knowledge. It was thank a little you. knowledge. I liked it. For y'all, you're welcome. But you guys can follow me on the gram at Kelly with a Y, Mentel, M-E-N-T-E-L. And don't forget to follow the Glitter and Gossip Show while you're there. That's fabulous. So now we know all the places that are safe that we can't get to. Yeah. So, Christy, my girl, tell us about the vocabulary word and how bad we all bombed it. Oh, hold on. Pete, do you know it? Oh, yeah. Did you say it? Well, I, I do know it, but I just... You're going to let Christy go, let, let her have it? Yeah, okay, okay. Let, that's fine. Let her have her moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's ambivalence, and it's the state of being uncertain or stuck between two or more options. So oh, yeah. Kinda like that's always... In the that's middle. all of us. Yeah, too many options, there. especially us ladies. Yeah. Mexican, Italian. Exactly. Right. That's for dinner. That's yeah. the biggest, yeah. the right. biggest one. Wow. What am I in the mood for? Mm. What am I going to wear today? So I was dead wrong no but i mean okay. you weren't 
too far off. Okay. Well, y'all don't forget that y'all can listen to brand new episodes every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time at WBUZ95.radio.net. I just want to thank everyone for being here. You can remember to follow me at Kelly Hutchinson on Instagram, Kelly the Beautiful One Hutchinson on Snapchat, or Mrs. Louisiana State Kelly Hutchinson Shafwee on Facebook. Also, the hair show on Instagram and the Glitter and Gossip show. And this is Glitter and Gossip. Fire. Fire. Fire.